You're listening to Small Business Made Simple, a podcast for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Most of our interviews aren't with professional speakers and authors. The bulk of our interviews are with hardworking business owners that are out in the community building their businesses, leading their teams, and leaving a legacy. And they want to share what they've learned with you. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the owner of One Click Agency, a website design company for small businesses, and I'm also one of the co-hosts of this show. Our goal today is to help you stand out to your customers, beat your competition, and grow your business. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Small Business Made Simple, where we take the complex theories and strategies and make them simple to understand and put into action. My name is Tim Kroll. I'm a coach, consultant, speaker, and your co-host for today, and I'm excited to jump into today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership in the home because it is a topic. uh, This is near and dear to my heart. I'm really thankful to have Rocky with us, but it's a fact that I have seen as I coach people that many business leaders, both men and women, often skip the leadership inside of their home. So I am super excited to jump into this topic today. We're here with Rocky Levine, and he is the Chief Profitability Officer. I knew I was going to stumble on that. I'm going to be honest with you. I knew I was going to stumble on it, Rocky. So Chief Profitability Officer. I probably have to like say it multiple times. <laughs> um, but the other thing is you have several podcasts. I know you're known for the Profit Answer Man. Profit First is kind of your thing. But again, as you talk with people, and this is where I'm really excited to jump into some of this stuff, you see the same thing where the leadership is absent in the home and with their families. Um, but before we get into that topic, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your journey? Give us a little bit of background on that. Absolutely, Tim. And thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to uh, join you. And I struggle with profitability too sometimes. So don't feel bad. <laughs> well, I'm not the only one. <laughs> You're not the only one. I, I, I struggle getting that out. So I'm, I'm working on it. I, I'm an immigrant to the United States. My parents brought me here when I was a little kid. They, uh, they started out with $25 and they came here for the American dream. And I got to watch them start on the wrong side of the tracks. And they and their friends who had come around the same time quickly built financial success and started living the American dream. What was one of the unique things that I learned growing up was about money and kind of how to live that dream. So the parents would get together and they would talk about how they were doing things in a foreign country. Like, how do we spend our money? How much are you making? How much are you spending? What are you doing? And what are the right choices to make here in this country? And as kids, we got to watch that growing up. I never realized that people had such hangups on money because it was just naturally talked about in our family. The other thing we were always taught was to negotiate. Everything's negotiable, right? In America, nobody, like they do negotiate, but they don't negotiate. And it's got all these emotions tied to it. For me, none of that stuff is, so to speak, emotional. It's, it's just kind of a way of life. And when we would go back to India, you know, as a kid, you'd learn that because you'd go to the street vendors and there is no price, right? You, you go back and forth and you haggle and you learn how, how to do that. And so that was kind of one of the things that, that I learned growing up. And we were expected to go to college. And once you graduated college, the expectation was you'd get an advanced degree. So even though we were immigrants and we started where we were, we were, we were always taught success is possible and go get it. 
And so that was kind of a big part of it. Of course, you know, when you grow up in an immigrant family, your family has very different values than all the other kids. And so part of that, we as kids kind of felt like we were missing out on the American upbringing, right? And I think that's one of the reasons that when I was a dad, I wanted to make sure my kids got to experience all the things I couldn't. And part of it is, is they just didn't know. They don't know about the things that are universal here growing up. Yeah. But, and, and there's that constant struggle between the adults and the kids of what's acceptable and what's not. Of course, you know, I went after the American dream. I achieved it. You know, I became financially successful and realized uh, money wasn't everything, that this was somebody else's dream, and maybe there was something better out there. And so that kind of set me down a whole nother path and a whole nother journey. But the whole way through, I always knew my, my mom passed away when I was very young, and my dad made a conscious decision to say, I'm going to make sure I raise my son. I'm not going to work past five o'clock so that, you know, he can't be alone and so I have to make these, these choices in life. And so that was one of the things that was instilled with me. And so when I became a dad, I made sure that I was there for all my kids' events. And my wife taught me very, very early on. When my daughter started preschool, I unfortunately had to go to a company meeting for the parent, parent night or whatever they had. Wow. And the first thing she did was volunteer me to lead. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of started the journey. And it got me involved and I had to get out of my comfort zone and, and try things. But that's what it is, right? Get out of your comfort zone, mm. keep trying, learning and challenging yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Man, there's so many topics in there that we could unpack just in that introduction, the differences in cultures and the, the raising parts of things. And there's so many awesome things there, but an effort to stay focused and stay true to what we were discussing. <laughs> um, in <laughs> the fact of, you know, being a leader in the home, not just in your business. Let's dive into that. Let's, let's just go ahead and sure. jump into that. And then, I mean, as listeners, I want you to know, we are going to make sure that you get a takeaway, something that you can apply to your life. And we want to make sure that we, we, we have that. So stay tuned as we get into this and as we unpack it, that we will be giving some practical tips here. So go ahead keep going, Rocky. <laughs> so I'm going to tie this back to, to leadership in the office, because mm -hmm. what I learned in leading my kids, especially as I started leading them in sports, actually taught me lessons that I can bring back to the office and apply in leadership at work. So one of the things, I never played sports growing up. I wanted my kids to experience that. And so, you know, as soon as they were at a very young age, signed them up for t-ball, started signing them up for different events. Now, I don't know how many of you parents have been to watch t-ball, but it's kind of like watching paint dry, especially <laughs> with five-year-olds, right? I remember it's those slow. days. <laughs> it's hot. And, and on top of that, you know, who are the coaches? They're just dads, and most of them are dads who – had semi-success at a sport, you know, maybe they, they were good in high school 30 years ago who were trying to recreate their, their glory or something. And, and the way they're treating the kids and the way they're doing stuff is just a disaster because they put no time and effort into it, right? They're not prepared to lead these kids to teach them and so forth. Luckily, my kids had a couple of coaches who were really good, who kind of led the way of this is how you teach and this is how you instill within kids certain values. And so 
as always happens, you know, they go, hey, can you help? And, and helping's a lot better than sitting there because at least you're doing something, <laughs> right. right? Instead of just watching. And so I would get involved by volunteering to help. And invariably what would happen is at some point, the, the leadership coach would quit because <laughs> they got called to work or something. And all of a sudden you're in charge of, of coaching this team. And sometimes I was on my own or maybe I was lucky and I, I had a helper. And I didn't play baseball growing up. I didn't play soccer. I'm not one of those people who watches sports. So I have no idea what to do, right? I, I've got to figure out how do I teach these kids these principles? And in the beginning, I lost a lot, right? Our team got beat. But what I started to do was say, how did I get beat? And what I started to learn were a couple of things. Everybody had one thing they did really well. And everyone had a different one thing. The other thing is I noticed that what kids do at practice is not what they do when game time comes. There's there's just a different mentality in how they behave. The other thing I noticed is just because a kid could dribble a ball and do it relatively well in practice didn't mean he could execute at game time. And so what I started to do was actually watch the kids in how they played naturally. So someone might say, hey, I, I want to do this. But when I watched them play, they would never do it. They would play a different position. And so what I, what I learned over time was to, to find their natural talents and what they would naturally do and start putting them there. So someone, most of the kids all want to be like, you play soccer. Everyone wants to be on offense. I want to be the kid shooting goals. But when you watch them, they were always on defense. They were always hanging back. Or there's another kid who's always hanging out in the middle, waiting for a play to occur. And then there are some kids who are naturally going to sit up front and wait for the ball to score. It's not something I taught them. It's something they innately had. And it was figuring out what were those innate skills. And so what I figured out was, Number one, they're at a very different level than I am. They're at a very different level than a lot of the coaches because all those coaches had their ideas of how the game of soccer was going to be played, which is wonderful if you're a college player, but it doesn't apply to eight, nine, ten-year-olds. They have a very different mentality. So meet them where they're at. And what we did was we would practice a handful of set maneuvers we create sayings that went along with those set maneuvers. And then we teach them why, connected the dots. So, for example, one of the, the things we would talk about is kick and crash. Most kids would get the ball, they'd kick at the goal, and then they would admire their shot. <laughs> right? That's what we do. And they're like, no, when somebody kicks, everybody crashes. Because a couple things happen. Number one, invariably we may miss and it bounces off the pole, well, if there's another kid running, you just got a free goal without effort, right? The goalie might drop the ball, in which case, again, you have a second shot. And so we just train them on how to do certain things at certain moments. And little by little, we went from always losing to literally crushing all the time. The second thing we did was mindset. I realized that most of these kids didn't believe in themselves. And until they scored a goal, 
or until they proved to themselves that they were successful, they weren't going to be successful. So giving them the opportunities to score and to make sure they could. So if you've got one kid on the team who can score all the goals, after two, three goals, it's like, hey, set somebody else up. And even if that kid wasn't 100% responsible for their goal, but literally had it set up, all of a sudden their face lights up. The next time they're at a game, it's a whole different kid. I had success. I can do this. And now I can succeed. That same stuff carries back to work. Do you encourage your people to succeed? What do you do when they fail? Do you blame them? Or do you empower them? Do you look for their natural talents at work? The biggest problem that happens in corporate America is people are in the wrong seats. They, they don't go to where their natural talents are. They go to where you decided you need someone to do a job. And it may not be what they're best at. The other thing we worked on was to create kind of a framework of values for the team. And we did that because, you know, usually on my team, I had twice as many kids as who could play. So I've got a bench full of 12-year-olds. And, and if you've ever had to handle a bench full of 12-year-olds, you know, it's coach put me in, coach do this. Coach. Like, the, I'm like, excuse me, I'm trying to watch what's going on the field. So it's, it's a whole management thing. The, it, the kids are all picking on each other, right? Everyone's always poking on each other. If things aren't going well, one kid's screaming about how everyone else sucks. And it's just a bad culture. So what we started to do was to ingrain culture. And again, it comes back to creating words and a framework and then constantly instilling the framework. So our framework was built around... Um, an acronym, which was GER, which if you think about it, most parents, when you're driving around with eight-year-olds and 12-year-olds in the back seat, that's how you feel, right? Right. You're frustrated. And so the acronym said, this is how we behave. And the G is for grace, right? You're not allowed to say, coach, put me in, coach, put me in. You have to show grace and say, coach, um, John hasn't been in. Can you put John in? So now you're teaching them to stand up for somebody else on their team besides themselves. And so that creates a whole different culture. Grace is always take no foul, give no foul. Okay, you may get fouled on the field, but don't start a fight over it. Just assume that it was an accident. You get a bad referee call. We're going to get them, right? It's how are you going to behave in that moment? Learn to give grace. You know, I know the kid next to you has just poked you for the hundredth time. <laughs> Learn to forgive, right? It's the same thing at work, right? Do this, does this not? You watch the office space, right? It's the exact same concepts. It's learning to let go. The second R was respect. So show respect for everyone. Show respect to your parents. So now I'm teaching them to respect their parents. Show respect for the field and for the equipment. Don't break the things to take care of it. Show respect for the rules, Show respect to the other team. Like if we get up, it's 5-0, we're not just going to crush you. I can tell you how many times we played games and we beat the other team 8-0. The other team came up and said, thank you. Hmm. Because even though they lost, they were treated with respect throughout that entire game. Nobody was showboating. Everyone was trying to help them 
succeed and improve. My kids would be telling them like, hey, you know, don't do this, go over there because that's where I'm, so they would teach as they would do it. Hmm. It was showing respect to everyone, including the referee and to, to everyone on the field. So imagine a workplace where everyone is respectful and you model and you show how to be respectful, not only to the people at work, but to your customers. How often do we, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten customer service where there was no respect from the company. It's not the way it should be. Here at OneClick, we know that at the end of the day, you just want to be a successful business owner. And in order to do that, you need a website that looks amazing and gets results. The problem is you don't know where to start when it comes to building a website, which makes you feel overwhelmed every time you try to begin the process on your own. We believe you should never feel overwhelmed about building a website. We understand what it feels like not knowing where to start, which is why we can handle the work for you. Here's how it works. Step one, visit oneclickagency.com to get a quote. Step two, let us build you a professional website. And step three, your business will stand out online without you lifting a finger. Visit oneclickagency.com today so you can stop feeling overwhelmed about your website and instead get a professional to build one that stands out from your competition and gets you results. Our next R was responsibility which is basically you are responsible for your position, know where to be, be there. It's not your mother's job to get you here on time. It's, you know, it's not your mother's job to make sure you forgot your shin guard and your water bottle. Take responsibility for what you're doing. Take ownership in it. If you need help, come ask for help. Same thing at work. Take responsibility for your deliverable. Deliver it when it's supposed to be delivered. And if you need help, then, then ask for help. And I would tell that because uh, as they got older and I was doing high school, you know, if you don't get your good grades, you, you get cut from the team. You, you have to get benched because you don't have good grades. I'm like, if you don't know how to do work, look around. There are 25 other kids here who can help you with your homework. I don't want to hear that you didn't cut it because you didn't ask for help. Take responsibility for your outcomes and ask for help when you need them. And then our last star was reverence. So a lot of times we played uh, as a religious school. So it's reverence to God uh, in the sense that when you walk on that field, they should know that you are a Christian by the way you walk, not by your words. They should look at you and go, wow, look at the way that team plays. Look at the behaviors that they, they exemplify. And it's the same thing. You know, you may have a company that doesn't have a religious belief. You can still have reverence to your company, to your values, that you behave in such a way that people say, I want to do business with this company because the people there just have a certain set of values and beliefs and they live them. So mm -hmm. coming back to you as a parent, none of the kids are going to listen to what you say. They're going to listen to what you do. So I, as a coach, had to make sure that I wasn't, doing any of these. I had to model each and every one of these behaviors. Every single practice, we talked about these behaviors. And I would have the kids explain to me what it means to them. And we would do, you know, how do we show respect to someone who just messed up for the third time? Is respect saying, oh, you're stupid? I told you that three times, right? But that, you see, I see you, you're cracking up. The kids are cracking up. They're having fun. How many times have you gone to a company and they've got all these values on the wall. You tell everyone to turn around and say, what are the values on the wall? And everyone goes, 
we have values. What are they? <laughs> so it was a constant ingraining of values, of explain to me what these values mean to you. Explain to me how you behave and how you show them. And so it's a modeling. So I'm, I, I just talked a whole bunch. <laughs> oh, that's all great uh, stuff. But I think that is essentially how, and that's what it taught me. It's, it's not just on the sports field. It's in the office. And it taught me that you can't yell at eight-year-old kids for screwing up. But yet at work, how often do we yell at people? So you, you learn how to behave and how to change the way you treat others. So let me, let me re-speak back to you what you just said and see if this is exactly. So number one was you had, you practiced with verbiage. That was the very first thing. Number two was mindset, believing in what you could do, believing in who you were. And then number three was the framework. So you had three key elements there. And then underneath of the framework, you had your, what I would call your core values. Uh, and that's, this is where I think it would just relate directly to the business as well as home is creating core values, both for your businesses for, and your home. And so in, I love the GER thing. I've never heard that. And I think that's so awesome. So it's grace, respect, responsibility, and reverence. So here's the million dollar question especially as a coach and looking at this, because it's easy to say this is the framework and this is how we're going to build. What do you do when either a, a child just totally bucks the entire system and doesn't fit within the core values or doesn't follow along. And I would add, because I think this is another important thing. What do you do with the parents who are also enabling some of the children? And then as a leader, because I, I see this as when I, I do coaching outside of business as well, how do you handle some of that stuff as a leader? So I remember a particular instance. It was our final game of the season. This was the year that we, we'd been practicing this for years. So they crushed it. They won the division. 25 kids, end of year, 80% of these kids have scored a goal, right? Now half of them are on defense and they're still scoring goals. That's how, <laughs> how they came together. And we're in our final game. I said, look, you've, if you've scored goals this season, you're not allowed to score goals. Like, you need to set up these last three, four, five kids who haven't scored a goal yet. That is your job. Well, one of the kids has the attitude that you talked about, constantly bucking the system. One of the older kids comes up and he goes, he's not following the rules. Pull him off, coach. Like that. Like he said, do it. I respect what the kids say. We put somebody else up and that kid sat on the bench. I don't need to have conversations. I don't need to argue with them. Like, so, and this is what we didn't talk about. When you have to go back and talk to the kids, you don't argue. You just go look at the kid and go, are you showing grace? Mm. Are you showing respect? Are you taking responsibility? The tone neutral. Are you taking responsibility? Go ahead and you, you figure it out. You let me know when you're ready took it all off of me, put it right back on the kid. So that's how we dealt with that. I've never had a problem with a parent. And the reason I've never had a problem with a parent uh, is because number one, I over-communicate, right? So every parent knows all of what I just told you. Every parent knows here are our set plays. Every parent knows that when X occurs, this is what we do. So it's, it's all laid out. And we encourage the parents to reinforce those same ideals. 
I had 25 kids from fifth through eighth grade. Every kid got time to play on the field. We had a survey at the beginning of the year. We had a survey at the end of the year. The survey at the beginning is asking them their fears. So you know what the number one fear was for kids playing on a team? I don't know. I was shocked. And, and, and I'll tell you, it was, so A, I was shocked and B, I had a problem. <laughs> <laughs> the number one fear, 80 to 90% was getting yelled at. Mm. And so here's the problem. When I coach soccer, the kids three fields over can hear me and listen. The kids on my field don't. <laughs> I have a loud voice. And so I'm like, how am I supposed to coach? And because I naturally yell. And so I, I started having conversations with the kids. And what I learned is they're like, we don't want to get yelled at unfairly, which really came down to I did X and you yelled at me, but you never told me what I was supposed to do. So it goes back to work. If you don't tell employees what they're supposed to do and how to do it, then you yell at them for the outcome. That's the problem. Expectations. Expectations. So I learned that quickly and we set expectations with parents, with kids. Everyone got reasonable playing time. I, even the, the other teams who we would play against, you know, most of the times when you're against another team, all their fifth and sixth graders are benched the whole team, the, the whole, like you never see them leave the bench. The other, cause I, I used to coach in the community too. So other parents know me from the other teams and they would come up to me and they're like, not only did you beat us, but all your kids got to play. I'm like, yeah, of course they did. You can't learn sitting on the bench, right? If you don't give someone an opportunity to get in the game, you don't have, what does that show them? You don't have faith in them. You don't believe in them. And so it's the same thing. You've, I think at work, we do this a lot. We don't let people do certain things because we don't have faith in them. We don't have belief in them, or we don't think they want to or are capable of. Why don't you let people volunteer to take on a project? And when they do, why don't you let them do it instead of going, well, yeah. yeah micromanaging, the classic Mic micromanage. Let them go. You'd be shocked at what people can do, especially when given an opportunity and they want to prove themselves. When somebody wants to prove themselves, get out of their way. So it's creating that tension and allowing that to happen. So I never had problems with the parents. Um, what was your third question on that? Uh, that was only two, just two questions oh, okay. about, the thought... the, about the kids and about the parents. But because here's the thing, and I'm hearing this from you, and I think this is such an important aspect because we always look at um, leadership as a directive. And oftentimes CEOs, they get very directive and authoritarian and they look at it and they say, do this, do this, do this. And then when you don't do exactly, all of a sudden they come down with, you know, the brimstone and fire. and I'm okay with that. But you know what the problem is? That wasn't the problem. The problem is you did what they said and what they said was wrong because they're so isolated. I've had so many, that's the one thing that comes up. When I have certain people on my podcast, we talk about this one syndrome and it happens to all your people who have a lot of power. Mm. They surround themselves with yes people. And so they are such a vacuum that they don't know that, their ideas are wrong. They don't know that they're making the wrong calls. They're, they're so out of touch with the bottom line. So that's what I mean. When I coach soccer, 
I see one thing from my side of the field, right? I have a certain view. When I pull kids off the field, I'm like, come here. What did you see on your side of the field? Tell me what's going on. What are you seeing? Why are we struggling? Who's not doing their job on the field? Because I can't see that from here. I can't hear what you're thinking. And that is actually a big thing. I learned that from, uh, from a book, Turn the Ship Around, who was a submarine commander. And the way he went from the last submarine place to the top was before they did anything, they would say, I intend to do X. They'd state with the intention of what they were doing and why. And now everyone understands what's going on mm. versus the, the leader constantly having them to tell them what to do. You've got to get out of, you've got to let people make choices. Otherwise, it's top-down command. I don't know why you have people put in robots. Like, Yeah, I, I think it's, and this, I love this, this image. It's creating a healthy environment to be able to allow people to grow and become who they were meant to be. And so I would never yell at a kid who failed for trying. As a matter of fact, I would encourage them to fail. I'm like, look, Go try something. Yeah. Fail. I'm okay with it. You will never get yelled at for trying and failing. You'll get yelled at if you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it or, you know, you were constantly out of position. You know what you're supposed to do, do what you're supposed to do, but take risks. And we'll never challenge you for taking risks. Yeah, that's and so awesome. And the kids had the freedom to do that. And I had kids who played club and they're like, yeah, this is so much more fun because in club, they tell us what to do. And if we don't do exactly their way, we get yelled at. I'm like, you see on the field what I can't. I trust you to make the right choices and to, to find better ways. So one of the reasons we won a lot is because I didn't come at it with a soccer mentality. I came at it with a, what can we do to win mentality? I don't care about what, what we're supposed to do. How do we beat the system? Yeah, that's so applicable both to business. It doesn't matter the size of the business. It doesn't, and it's applicable to sports and family. Man, it's just, it reminds me, I just finished a book called The Servant. And the same exact philosophies that you're talking about here are there where you're, you're basically flipping the entire paradigm, putting everything else where as a leader, you are now meeting the needs, not the wants, but meeting the needs of those that are above you. And that's, you're honoring their, their position, their power, their ability. You're honoring all of that. So it's, it's so incredible. Um, we could probably talk for five, six hours, but to wind it down, what would you say would be uh, like the takeaway? Because we've already had several in here, but what would you say would be the number one thing that you would want somebody to take away from this? So I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to drop a bombshell on you and then we'll end. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Right. So, you have to do the same with your kids. My daughter came to me at the end of, in her 10th grade year and said, school's not working for me. I don't want to do this anymore. This is not the best. We're going to find a different path. And so over six to nine months, she came up with a plan hmm. and she finished her last two years of high school doing what she wanted going to events, learning the things that she wanted to learn that would propel her forward instead of sitting in a classroom, getting stuck, being taught what we're supposed to learn that makes absolutely zero sense. So she got to go to Tony Robbins, Brendan Bouchard. She got to go to participate in adult events that she never would have had the opportunity to. And that was us as parents 
realizing my kid's mature enough. It's time for me to let go because she's ready to figure out how to launch. So let them go. Man, I got to give you credit. And I think you and I are approximately the same age to allow your own mind to shift that paradigm because it sounded like your parents pushed real hard to get the advanced degrees and follow the system. And then for you to shift that mindset and then allow your, your kids to, to kind of discover that that's awesome. So that's number one. Number two, that message is so relevant for today because our educational system is being disrupted in the way that it's being run. We're going to see a lot of that over the next year. So that is a, that's a great, great message to end on. I do have, go ahead. You have a thought? How many weeks till this goes out? Do you know? About four to five weeks or so from the time that we record. All right. So in about four to five weeks from now, you're going to have a good idea of what school looks like for this mm -hmm. year. You know what? You have options. Just because homeschooling doesn't mean you teach. Homeschooling means the kid figures out how to school themselves. Yep. If you're not thrilled with the way your life is going, figure out a different way. Do not follow what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What would be your, and I, I want to get this question out because I love this question, mostly because we both have libraries and we're talking about our bookshelves. <laughs> what would be your top three books? So that's, so you know what, for number one, just because of your audience, I think, is Living Forward by Michael Hyatt. And the reason one. I love that book is you need a plan for your life, both at home and at work. Living Forward allows you to create that life plan and it allows you to create the harmony of, of home and work. So by far, I think that's a big one. Um, other books, you know, I start to get, it, it really depends on what you want to learn about. Each subject has their own type of, of intensity. I will say, I think one of the good ones is probably um, Caldini's work, whether it be persuasion. Um, that's probably a good one in the sense that everyone has to be a salesperson, right? And, and I would teach sales skills to the Boy Scouts. I'm like, how many people want to be a salesperson? Zero hands go up. I go, how many of you want a date? Oh, all the hands go up. How many of you want your kids to buy you an iPhone or your parents to buy you an iPhone? I go, that's all sales. You know, whether you're at work or at home, you know, or even getting your kids to do something, learn sales skills because it will serve you well. And Persuasion is a great book that uh, will introduce you to that. That's awesome. All right. This has been incredible. Man, I thank you so much. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what would you say the best way to get in contact with you is? Email me, um, rocky at profitcomesfirst.com. All right. We will make sure we put it in the notes. Yeah, well, I'll make sure we put it in the notes uh, because we want to make sure people have access to that. So, man, this has been awesome. Man, I love the GER. I love the core values for GER. I think I'm going to steal that music, to be totally honest. That's awesome. Can, I didn't patent it. You know, I didn't trademark <laughs> it. We, we, so the, the original was the three R's, like reading, writing, arithmetic. So right. I needed a three R's for the soccer field to kind of tie into education. And then we, let it, we added the last G when the kids would drive me up the wall too much. And one of the kids actually said, we, GER, and this is how we do it. So... <laughs> I Came love that. Man. That's so awesome. So thank you for sharing that. Um, man, I really appreciate it. I'm honored that you would take the time to spend with us. So I really, really, I wish we could keep talking forever, but <laughs> you can have me back down. another day. <laughs> we got to close it down, but thank you so much, man. 
Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Small Business Made Simple. If you learned something insightful, actionable, or useful that you're excited to implement in your business, please leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Not only are you helping other future listeners find the show, you're giving them an opportunity to learn something valuable they can implement as well. Thanks as always for listening to the Small Business Made Simple podcast, where we believe in providing you with the tools you need to stand out to your customers, beat your competition, and grow your business.